2: Welcome to Dragoncast, home of House of the Dragon. Gather your small council, send out your ravens, and call in your bannermen. I'm Hand of the King, Jamie East, here to guide you through the highly anticipated return to Westeros. May the mother smile down on this gathering with love. May the smith mend the bonds that have been broken for too long. And to Vayman Valerian, may the gods give him rest. Chris, Christ almighty mate, I feel like a virgin on a wedding night. We've peaked too early. It's only episode eight. We've only gone and got Paddy Considine on. Paddy, how are you, sir? I'm good, Jamie. How are you? Really good.
3: Good, good. Hey, Chris. Very, very privileged to have a king
4: in the room. Oh,
2: my God. I feel like I don't know where to salute, stand or whatnot. Uh, We're recording (laughs) this... Monday, tenth of October, just after midday, in what I imagine is is one of your first interviews post uh, episode eight. Which now I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb and say that was your dying, that was Viserys's dying breath. We saw just as the uh, just as the credits rolled. Would that be fair to say?
3: Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely bang on. Yeah, he's gone at last.
2: <laughs> last <laughs> oh, don't say that i flipping loved him i loved him um I, I i'm just gonna kick start this off by saying thank you paddy thank you so so much and i think i speak on behalf of all thrones fans all new house of the dragon fans because fucking hell mate you did an absolute stand-up job it was it was incredible to watch and i know we spoke just after i think it was announced that you got the gig and then we spoke just as just at the premiere and I mean, how, how could you? How could you have been nervous at the beginning of this, knowing what you'd just done? Because it was just incredible. And I don't want to blow smoke at you. I'm sure it's deeply uncomfortable for everyone involved. But, but did you did you walk away? Did you walk away from your last day of set going? Yeah, nailed that.
3: How did you feel? Uh, I crawled away from my last day on set. Not walked. <laughs> it was, uh,
2: <laughs> was it gruelling? Was it pretty gruelling?
3: Uh, shooting the last scene was. Um, It was grueling and and it was a long, long shoot and it was the end of a very long shoot. And, um, you know, I think we were all just sort of like wanting to get over the finish line by that point. But it felt fitting that my that was my the final scene is this final meal that I have with uh, with with my family so it it just sort of felt fitting really to end that way but um you know and and I did I do deliver this final speech and sort of like I'm taken away and it and it was a really really sort of poignant way for me to finish the show really i uh, I went out it was a bit of a mic drop really I suppose but right fucking have it. <laughs> all this 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 throne, all this shit, like have it, I'm off.
2: <laughs> and when you took when you took the gig, did you know the full story arc of Viserys? Was that part of the reason you took it? Because, you know, it's a hell of a daunting prospect to sign up for something. I guess some of the actors have, have signed up for five, six, seven, however many series there are. But um for you, was that part of the appeal, knowing that you could you could kind of uh, sneak in season one? mic drop and uh, and 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 be away with you how uh, was that part of the process for you
3: well yeah i mean i i, I think so i mean the, the most important thing jamie was that there was an actual arc there for him that, that i saw when i eventually got to read all of the scripts I, I just saw that there was an actual journey that this character went on so i felt like that, that he had a, quite a complete story really and, and you know, the world of Game of Thrones, you know, characters are kind of, you know, they disappear at certain points of the stories. And I felt like here's a character that actually has his story told and we see the the beginning of it and the end of it. And then when I read the scripts, I was just grateful that there was something there. There was something about Viserys that resonated with me. And I I just, um, I I remember saying to my agent, I said, who's passed on this? Who don't want to do it? Because that's how I usually get things. They come down a long line. And... (laughs) when nobody they just come to you who's 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 normally who's normally the first well i don't know but it's
2: true who's who's the first paddy Because for me for me it's always danny wallace or rick edwards if he, if both of those are passed on it i usually get the yeah. job i can't imagine <laughs> I'm who'd not- be above you though paddy <laughs> to be honest
3: <laughs> i'm not sure but there's definitely definitely you know they google you and see what you're worth and if you're not worth tuppence they don't pursue it you know that that kind of stuff does happen so i was grateful when i got the part three and and Miguel and Ryan had really considered me for the part to the point that I I didn't even audition for it. And I thought, wow, what a gamble on their part. And what have they seen in me that they think I can bring to this character? Um, And I just thought it was an absolute gift. He came along at the right time. And, you know, years ago I worked with a – I didn't actually work with him. I just did some workshops with Anthony Minghella. And it was for a film that he was doing. And it was for a character that I was not right for. And he said to me, after doing a few like workshops, he said, do you love this character? And I said, no, no, I don't. I don't really feel much about him. He said, then you can't play him because you need to love the characters that you play. And I thought that was kind of... A, I walked away thinking, I'm not sure if he's right about that. You know, I haven't liked every character I've played, but he did have a point. And I, I can say that I really, really loved Viserys Targaryen. I... I, I I was so respectful of the role and I took it very, very seriously. To me, it was like playing a king in Shakespeare or something like that. And that's how seriously I took it. And it was just a, a chance for me to just kind of do something that I've never had the privilege to do before as an actor. You know, just um, do, do, do some different things and, you know, give a different presentation to, to to anything that I'd ever done before. Chris? Yeah, well, I was just blown away by that episode because the transformation
4: physically... And, and sort of what's happened in that time jump is amazing. I mean, could you tell us a bit about wearing this all these prosthetics? Because you must have been in that makeup chair about 18 hours a day, weren't you? Like <laughs> getting all the cheek and the eye and what would, I mean, t- can you tell
3: us a bit about that? It felt like it. It felt like a long uh, 18 hours, Chris, you know, but it, it wasn't too bad. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're looking in hindsight and there were long days. I was there like four or five hours before all anybody else when I say that me and my team were there I had a fantastic team around me and they were brilliant and it is a long time sitting there but you know when I was a kid I used to like looking at all these like I love Universal Monsters and I'd see these um, you know Boris Karloff sitting in the chair with a cup of tea you know being made up and I think (laughs) I'd love to do that and then you actually get you sit down in the chair and they're pasting everything to your face and you just go oh god I can't wait to get this off my fucking face (laughs) and there's <laughs> like you know, you know another 14 hours to go but i don't know really i i, I forget the makeups there and, and i think that's the thing you have to do even with costume and things i just sort of forget that they're there, really and let the artist do their their art and and you're just there to play the role so it was just one of those things you you, you know you just accepted it's a part of the job and a part of the transformation yeah. but um
2: yeah, was that was there a lot of CGI on on the latest episode because of the weight loss that you know uh, Viserys in his in his final moments he was he was he was all skin and bone wasn't he
3: he was yeah I mean we got around that because that was only a decision that was made that the actual weight loss itself was only a decision that was made about halfway through we were film we were filming the show we were months into it and I'm like well and the way we shot the show was that it, uh, I couldn't sort of <clears throat> go on a, a diet in any way and lose that weight because we were shooting so out of order, out of story order. We we, we could, for example, we could be shooting episode two one day and then the next day we're doing episode six as an example. And it, and it moved around quite a lot. So I couldn't fluctuate the weight in any way and I couldn't make that work. So how we did it was that the makeup was on me and I acted the scene out and played the scene. And then they got a a kind of double in who was very, uh, one of the extras, I think, who was a very, very thin guy. And he sort of just copied my movements. So they had like a little map that they could work from then and and do whatever they needed to do to trim it down. But it wasn't something that I could achieve as an actor because of the way that the schedule sort of moved around too much.
2: Christian Bale uh, you know a bead of relieved sweat trickles down his forehead knowing that there was no time for Paddy to do the coffee and uh, apple diet single
3: apple a day yeah Uh, yeah but I've lost weight for roles in the past you know I've got quite you know skinny for, for certain things and you know it's all about your energy as well and you know but christian bale one of the shocks about that was the physical was the physicality of it and that was very much a part of the character it wasn't this sort of you meet somebody at a certain point and then you see a decline he's already declined and yeah, um, yeah that's true you know and within that time frame it just wouldn't have been possible to do it cuz like i said we were just moving around the story too much
2: yeah and it was apparent how seriously you took it i'm you know every, i'm sure a lot of actors everyone actor says you know i took the part seriously but but especially in something like thrones or one of these big uh, fantasy series there's a there is a i guess a temptation to ham it up or to kind of be a bit more gandalf about the whole thing and stuff which <laughs> which i think all fans of the show would be really grateful that you didn't because you you gave a much loved universe to so many people the respect that that i think everyone was everyone has for it. and we, it, it was it, and this episode was so moving and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about a couple of things really one is and for me, part of why I love this so much and your your performance was was the voice he just yeah. had this incredible voice, especially in this episode there did you did you work hard on that did you did you spend a lot of time on that or was it just something that just was that how you imagined the sickness to have been or was it the fact they only had half a mouth left or you know where did that come from because it was a beautiful voice
3: yeah, he just started i mean what what I did early on was like map the sickness. And um, just get to a, a, a final point of where I thought he, he'd gone physically. And then it was just about tracing that back. And you had to stay on top of that, like I say, because of the of the scheduling thing. He struggled with his energy and he struggled to breathe. And, 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 in, a, and in a kind of sad way, if I'm honest, you know, I, I watched my dad die of cancer and he died so rapidly within weeks that... I'd sat at that bedside and I'd seen a man go through so many different stages. And the most heartbreaking one for me was the most terrified, he was terrified. At one point I looked at him and he was absolutely terrified. And you could see the terror in his eyes. This wasn't some like slow, lovely death here, you know, and the angels are coming to get me. I kind of thought that he feared what was beyond, you know, this realm. And to see a fear in a man's eyes like that is is very sort of sobering. Um, There's a truth about it that that is undeniable. And I think because my wife watched some of episode eight this morning and she definitely saw that quality of my dad dying that I put into the at that point, you know, just, just fighting for breath, just fighting to stay alive. But And so there's there's heartbreaking elements to him, but I think that's my job as an actor. I'm not somebody who's schooled in any way. I never went to acting school and I was never trained. So I always sort of try to imbue a character with as much truth as I possibly can. They don't always give you that opportunity, but Viserys did. So I just put elements of my mother into him as well. She was a woman who suffered with her health. In the end, she had her legs amputated and she was blind. And it was a really sad thing to see. But my mother almost became, her sickness became a crutch. And I think that's a choice I made for for Viserys as well, that the sicker he got, the more he decided that he didn't want to deal with duty, that he just wanted to die. And I think he made the decision to die the day that he burnt Uh, his wife's funeral pyre, I think, from that day onwards, really, he stopped living.
2: Wow. Mm.
3: So it's a sad character. I saw massive tragedy in him. And that's another thing that to point out that kind of annoyed me about some of the response was that people thought Viserys killed his wife, and he chose to kill his wife and save his son. And that's not the case. That's not what I was pitched. And that's not what I heard. They are both going to die. The only saving grace is that we can save the child, possibly, but we're going to have to put your wife through this horrific life-ending procedure. This is She's going to die anyway, but she's going to die horrifically. And that's a choice that he makes, not to not to kill her. And that's something that he never, ever recovers from. And I think from the day of her funeral, I think, because never once as he's getting sick, as he's saying to the maesters, can you cure me? What can you do for me? That's so that everyone else around him is rallying to make him better. He's not. Mm. He's not you know he's it's almost like he's accepted it as some kind of punishment in a way for his choice
1: This is Paige the co-host of Giggly Squad and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June Olive and June gives you
0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
5: How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment.
2: as his brain starts to get foggier, he often refers back to his first wife as well, you know, mistaking, mistaking Alison for her, which is the ultimate burn, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And, and the last words that Viserys uttered right at the end of episode eight were, he he reaches up and he says, my love. Now, <laughs> fan is already swooping the internet saying, uh, was that, was that Viserys, had he, had he seen uh, uh, his first wife, do you think? Was that, was that what you were playing or was it just a phrase?
3: No, I was talking to Gita because that was improvised. There's a couple of lines they left in that I, I said, which I'm really grateful to them for. But I remember having this discussion with Gita about his last moment and I said, and, and he sees something in that last moment and I never shared it with her until that final day. I, I just feel like, and I was asking Ryan, what, 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 what is it in this world? Is, is there a notion of the afterlife? What, what are their beliefs? What do they believe? You know, what is this a possibility that they believe in a, in a heaven, you know, or in an afterlife in any way? But absolutely, in that last moment, I can tell every fan on the planet and they can have all the theories they want because it was my choice. He sees Emma, that's who he sees, and he says to her, my love. And that's the end of his story.
2: Oh.
3: And his story is a tragic love story. Oh. And that's why he's so imbued with this passion for Rhaenyra because she's the last remaining part of Emma. And that's why he's so fiercely protective of her and stands up for her because when he sees her, when she's, she's just given birth and he sees her glowing in that way, all he sees is, is Emma and she's the last piece of her. So it's a, it's a love story. In in my mind, but that's who he sees when he says goodbye.
2: (laughs) Bloody hell, Paddy! Oh, I'm well (laughs) enough. Chris, take over.
4: Well, I thought there was something really beautifully full circle in this episode because he meets his grandson, uh, who Rhaenyra has named after him, Viserys. I thought that was such a beautiful way of everything coming full circle, life and death, and also the fact that Rhaenyra has given birth to another son and he's been named after the king. But I wondered if you could actually answer something that I, I've had a, a question I've had in my mind a, a couple of weeks, which is that Viserys doesn't seem to have spent much time with Alison's with his children that he's had with Alison, with uh, with Aegon, Amund and Helena. Were you kind of aware that, that that was intentional, that like, because Emma had died, like a part of him had sort of died too. And even when his new wife
3: does produce male heirs, he doesn't seem to have bonded with them in, in much of a way. No, he doesn't bond with them. And by that point, that's part of him becoming – giving up, really. Giving up to his sickness, giving up to his duty a little bit. And, uh, and he doesn't spend time with those kids. Even when they're fencing in the courtyard, he's, you know, he's full of uh, his grandchildren more so than his actual children. Yeah. And that's something I think um, he values them more than he does his own children through Alison, definitely, because it's that same thing that relates back to Emma and, and now it's it's beyond producing a male heir. Yes, he has male heirs, but it's beyond that now. He's too sort of I I, I suppose he's too kind of emotionally occupied with what he's lost, and and um, that that's the thing I think that why he can't make that connection with those children like he does Rhaenyra and her children.
2: And one question I, that I've been asking for the past few weeks as well is is, you know the, the, the legitimacy of, uh, of Rhaenyra's kids, you know, so strong, uh, versus Lainor and stuff. Viserys knew. Was he, did he, did he know? Oh was he, yeah. was he, By that point was his, he knew, right? He, he just, oh, he was having none of he's it. He's not
3: right? an idiot. You know, this, this kind of bothered me, Jamie, because at some point I thought Viserys is becoming a joke. Like people think he's stupid or something. And I'm like, he knows four ways, not an idiot. He knows full well. And that's why he's very much like, everybody, keep your mouth short. I won't hear a word uttered. Is because he knows. And he says it to Alison in one of the episodes as well. She implies it. And he basically says, you know, you do better just to let it go. He absolutely knows yeah, yeah. that they're not Os children. <laughs> absolutely, categorically.
2: Fine. I'll just, I'll just check in. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. And to throw another fan theory at you, already. I mean, it. You know, it only aired at, only aired uh, eight hours ago in the UK, <laughs> and, and mm-hmm. you're gonna have smoke blown up your ass anyway. So I may as well do a little bit of it now. You know, everyone's already talking awards, Emmys. One of the. It, for me personally, it was one of the greatest Thrones performances, single episode performances of all time. It was just, it was just wonderful. And in particular, and and as as with a lot of the um, the great moments in House of the Dragon. Very few words. You know, Matt Smith Damon has hardly said a bloody word all season. <laughs> He's he, he got away scot-free. And and your your greatest scene, I think, was was, was when you arrived at the um in the throne room and, and you did the long walk to yeah. the throne. Uh, it was just beautiful. It was it was it was really heartbreaking. Fans are already saying that, that you dropped the crown falling off your head and Damon picking it up for you was improvised. Please set my mind at rest.
3: Absolutely, it was improvised. That that walk was all about his Whoa. last walk. I'd made my mind up on that day. that You know, make a lot of decisions yourself privately, and I think Viserys wakes that morning and knows that this is the last day of his life. I, I just think, and I had this discussion with Geeta. I said, it's like dogs when they go away to die alone. I said, this guy knows that this is the last day, and this is it. This is the last time he will walk to that throne room, and the last time he will... Ascend those stairs. Um, that's it. This is the last walk to sit on that poison seat. And so it had to be this sort of slow, painful walk, which I regretted after because I put my hip out. I had these walking sticks that kept breaking <laughs> and snapping and things like that. But it was a poignant, poignant moment. And then as he goes to go up the stairs on one of the takes, the crown fell off my head and smashed on the floor. And Matt picked it up. And we walked to the top of the steps and I sit on the throne and then Matt took it and placed it on my head. And after we said cut, I just ran down to Gita and said, that's got to stay. That beat has got to stay because it wasn't in the scripts. And listen, you just have to make sure because on some sets that wouldn't be used. They wouldn't use it. They wouldn't see that moment. They wouldn't. But mm-hmm. Gita was able to see it. And I said, Gita, we've got to keep that moment. It's a great moment. And then him putting the crown on his brother's head, we, we, we must keep that. So me and Matt fought for that moment to be in there. We had a little discussion. And so it stayed in. And every you know every time we did the take, I tried to get it to fall off my head. and But we got it all the same. But it was a mistake. It was absolutely a mistake. But it created a beautiful that's moment. Awesome. And uh, you know, as actors, that's that's the playground you want to be in. You know, when, when that stuff happens, you want to be around people that can see that too and go, that's a moment. So you can deviate from the script sometimes and what's on the page. And Gita you know, was good enough and insightful enough to be able to see that as a great moment. And uh, I think it's a beautiful moment, but it was improvised, yeah. Or it was an accident. Oh, fun. And it stayed in, yeah. Uh,
2: well, it s- served <laughs> the narrative perfectly yeah. as well, didn't it? Served serve the relationship it's between... Beautiful. Yeah, the relationship between Damon and, and and Viserys was 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 extraordinary, and I loved the resolution that that had. I loved it. It was just it yeah. was just so touching. Yeah. Uh, Chris, you, I'm waffling.
4: This scene with with uh, Viserys going to the throne room. When I watched it this morning, so I first watched it a few days ago. When I watched it this morning, the thing that was most struck by is that the way that Viserys is is walking with his arms, and he's got his sticks, and his head stooped. It, he looks like the dragons do when they're about to take flight. It's so clever because he looks like the dragon taking one last ascension up to the throne. And it's really clever because he's not had a dragon. And I think so much of this season, it's like he's the, the, the Targaryen without a dragon. Who is he when he's not king? And it was so clever to see him making that that walk and, and kind of getting up there. It was just beautiful. I thought it was so clever. And I thought it was just yeah, really, really smart. His his
3: final outing. Well, Chris, you know this is this is this is the part where you you take the brush and you do the painting. You know, this is the stuff where you know you start to put your own uh, spin on things, and that, yeah. that and you start to see these things, and that's where the exciting things happen and the fun begins. Is where. You know, you make that observation because I, I'm not going to bullshit you and say that was a choice because it wasn't. <laughs> it, it really wasn't. But the fact that you've seen that and you've and you've made that connection is is a really cool thing. It's. I
4: mean, we love doing this podcast because we come on every week and we just share ideas and thoughts <laughs> and how it's really interesting how each of us respond to things differently as well i thought i thought one thing also that i'd love to talk about is just the way that we we talked about this in our last conversation Patty, is that viserys really wants to be seen as as not just a king in that dinner scene he wants to be seen as a father, a husband, a brother. Yeah. Because being a king has sort of been what's caused a lot of this, um, a lot
3: of this illness, hasn't it? Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, part of that scene as well is when he has the speech with the family, is him saying like, "This is what you all fight over. This is what you all fall out and fight about. And this, this power, this, this seat. That it's such a destructive seat, and this is what it does." This is what it actually does to you. I'm the physical manifestation of, of what the power of this thing does to good people, and you all want it, and it's a curse. I think in that scene, he's just saying to everybody, look at me as a man. Stop seeing me as a king. Look at me for who I really am, as Viserys Targaryen. I think by that time, he's beyond. He's over titles. He's over duties. over all of it. But that was the thing of that, that speech for me when I went in. It's almost like, look... Look what this has done to me. Yet you all crave it. You know, all I wanted was for you to love each other. Was it that difficult? And the, the, <laughs> the toughest part about being a king is that like you're perceived as a weak king because you won't fulfill everybody's needs. You won't join in an, on illegal wars. You know, you won't do that thing. If that was real life and there's an, an illegal war and I swoop in and send my men, you're an asshole. <laughs> you know, but in the fantasy world of Game of Thrones, you're weak. Yeah. And I'm like, this guy didn't want war. He didn't want to do those things. He wanted to solve things properly. Like Jaharis had solved them properly. That was a peacetime. And that's when Viserys was 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 coming into it. And also he's got this prophecy that, that he upholds. And I think he sometimes sometimes looks at people and think, all the things you fight over are, and none of you see the bigger picture. None of you see the wider world. You just see what you want. You're just all fucking selfish. <laughs> so I feel that that's what that scene was about for me when I delivered it. Really, it was a guilt trip in a way.
4: Yes, yeah. Also, something that is is sort of has been clarified maybe in the last week is that his daughter Helena is able is a dreamer. She's predicted things that have happened on the show, and it's again one of those things that the great irony that he doesn't know. Yeah, that his daughter has this gift that is really integral to understanding what it means to be in this family. And yeah, when we sort of found out that something that she said, like an off-the-cuff remark came true about, um, was it Eamon losing an eye? We were like, oh my gosh, everything. I put the subtitles on when that character's on now, because I'm like, this is going to be important.
3: Going (laughs) to take some notes. (laughs) Oh, if series only knew, they'd have spent more time with her. Right. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Exactly. And and obviously, and and this episode brought one of the, one of the classic Game of Thrones tropes, which is just like, just when happiness is within an inch's reach George just cruelly scythes it out of our hands and it had it just one of those one of those great moments of misunderstanding that are clearly going to set forth just years and years of absolute hell and carnage uh yeah. it just brilliant I was it was amazing I screamed out loud I was like it's not her it's the wrong fucking woman man it was a nightmare
4: this is what happens when you have too many children with the same name yeah it's true
2: exactly just have a john a janet a yeah. sarah a dick a Richard. yeah
3: you
2: know, yeah agon is crazy mix, mix
3: that in with 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 dying and being off your tits <laughs> on the old milk of the poppy and uh, <laughs> you, you can forgive him
2: <laughs> uh, he's forgiven um and paddy i don't know if you ever i don't i don't know whether you after you finished a gig or when it when it's when it's when it's when it's aired or or been been on the screen whether you whether you sit back and reflect and uh and wonder how are you feeling about it all now are your job well done is it where does it rank in your in your experiences of, of as an actor
3: i feel mixed about it because i really did like the character so much so there is a bit of sadness around it but to be able to go in and make some kind of impact, particularly in that that sort of world with the fans, they're so sort of ferociously like protective and excited, you know, about that world and those stories. So to to have uh, to have, have, have honoured them in a way, for, to have had a fantastic response from them has been has been amazing. But I do feel sad. Yeah, it's but but the story's told, and I, I don't see what more. I could have done or the writers could have done with this area the fact that he was given that kind of storyline and was managed to make that much of an impact means that I I suppose somewhere along the way I did a good job but and maybe one day I'll be able to sit down and watch it properly you know the weird thing is like the, the the weird side of it is sort of trying to stay out of the um I want I don't want to use the word toxic but you know the, the, the competitive side of things, you know, regarding our characters and our performances and this and that. That's the kind of stuff that I, I have to keep away from because these are people that I really, really love. And we went on an incredible journey together and we really put the work in on this one. And it was an absolute pleasure to do it. And it was tough. Trust me. But, um, you know, I don't like this. But I guess that's sort of fandom in a way, like pitching actors against other actors. And people are very, very quick to judge things. I'm not in competition with these people. They're my comrades. And we really went out to work on this one to make it as good as we possibly could. And uh, the reward is the reaction. And George, I I got a text from George this morning. And, uh, you know, I woke up to that. And I was like, oh, fair enough. You know, that's the creator <laughs> giving you a message, and I was like, "Well, if you can't accept that," what Paddy, did he say?
2: Are you, to t- are you allowed to tell us what he said?
3: I don't know if it should remain private between me and George, but it okay, was, that's uh, fine. That's fine. But it was very, very uh,
2: congratulatory and very. I'll imagine it in his voice. Very kind. I'll imagine it his voice. <laughs> hey Penny, hey Penny, you did a really good job with that Viserys there. That's a great <laughs> job you did there, Penny. Good man. Come to my wolf sanctuary. We'll hang out. <laughs> he it, it
3: did end, end it by saying um, I will miss Viserys and so will Westeros so that was nice that's oh. definitely true because they're all going to be absolutely fucked without
4: him like you can tell the whole point he did it he was so good at keeping the peace and then as soon as he left that dinner table it all it all kicked off so oh, yeah. God knows what's going to happen in episode
3: 9 after oh. this <laughs> That's a typical family dinner for the Considine's that is.
2: <laughs> Listen Paddy, uh, we know you've got a full day of speaking to people. Uh we'll let you go. I just I just want to say on behalf of all thrones fans anyone that's watched Thronecast, anyone that's into this thank you so so much because uh you 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 brought to life uh one of the greats and you did a sterling job and you did it you did you did Viserys proud and you did you did westeros proud my friends thanks paddy
3: thank you jamie i appreciate that thank you so much thank you chris thank you it's been an absolute pleasure paddy thank you thanks take care
2: don't forget House of the Dragonair's exclusively on Sky Atlantic at 2am every Monday, then repeat that same evening at 10. You can also get it on demand via Now. If you'd like to get involved in the podcast, just head over to Twitter at DragonCast underscore pod or email DragonCast at DaftDoris.com and leave us your Easter eggs, predictions and thoughts on the show. You can also watch this episode over on our YouTube channel. Just search for DragonCast Jamie East. Any support, whether it's a follow, a share, a mention to your friend on the bus or a tattoo on your backside is very much appreciated. Dragoncast is hosted by me, Jamie East, along with Chris Mandel, produced by Connor Driscoll, edited by Buddy Peace, and is a Daft Doris production. Dracaris. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because rust new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven
5: coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from rust If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers.